about yielding today. We want to conclude our series we've been looking at prayer from a personal perspective. So again, we can talk about prayer from a corporate perspective, but we've really been looking at it from a personal perspective, how you and I have lives of prayer each and every day with the Lord. And there's some questions that we want to work through together. And so I pray just open your heart. Again, even though we've got the lovely sound of kids over there, uh, it's beautiful. So we've done the P in prayer, which is that you got to pick a place every single day. That if you want to have a successful in personal prayer life, you got to pick a place. Rejoicing is all about worship and adoration. Last week, Pastor Barry spoke about asking. You know, how many know that before we say to God what it is that we need, He already knows. He already knows before we pray. But why we pray is it's relational. It's the way in which you and I connect with God. And prayer doesn't necessarily change who God is because he's perfect, but it sure changes who we are where we are imperfect. And you do actually see instances throughout the scriptures where God relents. And it's not as though he changes his mind, although he changes the direction through prayer. How many know that prayer changes things? It really does, which is why oftentimes as followers of Christ, it's baffling. Now, I know not here in this outdoor service, but if you polled North American Christians, 90 plus percent of them have no personal prayer life. And so this is deeply problematic because the why that we're going to look at is the issue that we all need to address, and it's yield. Everyone say yield. yield. The why in prayer is for yield. To yield means to defer. It means to submit, and it means to come in second. In other words, when you and I begin to pray, I'm not putting myself first, my needs first, my desires first. I'm surrendering and submitting, saying, God, what do you desire? What do you want? And what are you doing in this moment that I need to discern? You know, a quick opening story is during the pandemic. Oh, before I get there, has anybody here ever in your life had conflict with another human being? Can I see your hands, please? Okay, so one thing happened to all of us in conflict. It's not as though we didn't hear one another, but we stopped listening. So Lori and I were on a walk, and this was probably the first year, like six months into pandemic, and we were talking about pandemic-related issues. And Lori said something, I heard her, but I didn't agree. So as we began to walk, we began to walk quicker, because our conflict was escalating. And our voices were escalating, and not, not really, but we were talking back and forth. And by the time we finished our walk, this is what had happened. Lori kept talking, and I just railroaded her with everything that I thought, and she just went quiet. So by the time that we got back to our home, idiot realized, uh-oh, that was not smart. And I had to stop. Here's what I had to do. I had to yield. I had to confess. And I had to come in second. Whatever my opinions were, they were no excuse for how I just silenced hers. And I'd ask her forgiveness. And she still hasn't forgiven me. No, that's okay. She did. <laughs> she did in that moment. She forgave me in that moment. And you know what was beautiful about it? Is it was a moment of yielding in our relationship from that moment set the direction of how we were going to walk together through this season not divided but listening to one another and united 
especially where we had dis have disagreement. You know, as Jesus taught us to pray, the Lord's Prayer, there are four specific us moments. He says, give us, give us our daily, daily bread. God's provision is available, but we have to yield to God. We have to walk in his ways. Forgive us is what we're going to look at today. God's justice is available, but we need to yield to what he may desire to do in a situation. Lead us, lead us not into temptation. We have to yield to not just God's word, but God's way of living. We have to follow him. And last, deliver us. Everyone say, deliver us. Deliver us from temptation. So one of the things that I want to show you today in Scripture is that you and I, I'm going to say it again and again, probably over the next year, we live in contested space. See, oftentimes we believe that I'm having an argument just with one other person, but there is also darkness present that has a greater design in that moment than simply our disagreement. It has something deeper and greater in mind and is also working in that moment to sow discord and disunity within you know, our relationships, within our church relationship, within the city that we live in, the province we live in, the country that we live in. And so for Jesus, before, before, before we learn how to yield out there, we need to learn how to yield in prayer. And here's a hypothesis. Here's what I, it's just a thought. If it is true that 90% of Christians have no active, real active, genuine prayer life, could it be the very things that we are wrestling with out there should be actually first wrestled out in prayer? And because we have no place of prayer or disciplined prayer in our lives, we don't trust God in this space. We got it, and we take it out into these spheres and into unhealthy places. Here's what I know in my life. Let's talk about forgiveness for a moment. I'm going to put my hand up first, and then I'm going to put this hand up first, and then I'm going to put this foot up first, because they all need to go in the air. Has anyone here in your life, like me, ever struggled to forgive someone who's wounded you? Can I see your hands? Here's what I can promise you. The more you begin to pray for them, and it may start off with, God, get them. <laughs> Show them they're wrong. Show them. It may start there. But the more that you pray for them, the more God begins to tenderize your heart. In fact, unforgiveness and praying for someone don't go together. The power of unforgiveness begins to break just with the words that you have no feelings around. Just bless them. Bless them. The more you begin to pray, but the less you begin to pray. In fact, here's what I would say. If you find someone you have unforgiveness to, the truth of it is probably somewhere along the way, you stop praying for them altogether. It's in that space oftentimes where things engage our hearts and our lives. You see, Jesus knew that all of us have the power and the potential to yield to many voices. That the voice of Jesus is not the only voice that we here in our world today. Those voices can be influential people in our lives. They can be experts, people on social media, even our own thoughts and our own feelings. When we yield, though, or who we yield to, those voices we give the power to begin to lead us and to shape us. 
Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 to 21 is one of my favorite depiction of competing voices. I want you to notice the context in which this verse is writ written. It says, wisdom cries aloud in the street. Notice wisdom is not whispering with two friends. Wisdom is raising their voice in the midst of all the other voices to be heard. In the streets, in the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of noisy streets, she cries out. And at the entrance of city gates, where everybody is pressing in, she speaks. Proverbs is a book of wisdom trying to say that wisdom is there. Wisdom's voice can be heard. The challenge is, can we discern it from any other voice and every other voice? Jesus' voice is present. It's can we discern it? Is it different? Is it distinctly unique from any, in other vo any other voice? So again, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Everyone say, follow me. Not me, him. They follow me. Being a follower of Jesus is not merely praying a prayer, though it can start there. Being a follower of Jesus is actually following imperfectly, but continuing to follow in the way of Jesus all the days of our life through every circumstance and situation. All of us can hear God's voice. This is what Jesus is saying. But we have to have wills that choose to obey what it is that he's saying, what his word says that is clear, we have to walk in this way. And when we do, it forms and it shapes our lives. And when we choose an inferior power or a different voice, it too forms and shapes our lives. And I want to illustrate this to you this morning. It's pretty dramatic. It's a dramatic story in scripture, but it's at the Last Supper. It says, when evening came, Jesus, he was reclining at the table with the 12. Everyone say, with the 12. So that means they're all there. All of his disciples are there. This is really important to note. It says, while they were eating. So they're just sharing a meal. Imagine it. Picture it. You're at a meal. There's 12 people and Jesus. Others, others in the room as well, but 13 people in there. They're all sharing a meal. They're all talking back and forth. And Jesus just says these words out loud. Truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. He just says it out. Now, deeply distressed, each one began to say to him, Surely not I, Lord, Matthew 26, 20 to 22. But verse 25, here's what it says, and it's so powerful. It says, Judas, his betrayer, replied, Surely not I, Rabbi. And Jesus turns and says to him, You have said it, he told him. What is interesting is in this moment, Judas hears, but somewhere along his following Jesus, he has stopped following Jesus. He has listened to the voice of another. And this is what is incredibly powerful. If you know the story of Judas, I told you it's a dramatic story to illustrate what we're talking about today. Judas's his life hangs in the balance in this moment. And Jesus provides Judas the opportunity to confess. One of you is going to betray me. Judas hears him because he repeats the words right back. And here's what you may be thinking. Well, Judas doesn't confess at all. And you would actually be wrong. Because if you read the story, here's what you discover. Judas does confess, just not to Jesus. 
Shortly after this moment, who does he go back to? He goes back to the religious leaders and he confesses to the wrong people. And when you yield to the wrong people, you get wounded. When you yield to the wrong people, they use and abuse you. There are many voices in culture today that will be your best friend until you disagree with their opinion. There are many people who will stand shoulder to shoulder around a cause if you see it identical to they do. But the moment you see it slightly different, watch out. Watch out. It's the world in which we live. You may feel safe in a moment, but if we confess to the wrong sources, if we yield to the wrong ones, we find ourselves wounded. And Jesus yields in this, or Jesus, Judas, sorry, yields. He yields in this moment to the religious leaders. But by this point in time, the religious leaders don't need him any longer. And so rather than finding forgiveness and hope and life, his life goes down a downward trajectory. Why? Because he yielded to inferior power. First, what he wanted, and then when he wanted to unburden himself, Jesus gives him an opportunity to confess, but he confesses. He trusts the wrong power. Now, I know it's a dramatic story. I get it. But the truth of it is, each and every one of us in our lives not calling you Judas. That wouldn't be very nice. You're sitting outside. You showed up. Not saying that. But what I'm saying is each and every one of us have the opportunity to yield to the Holy Spirit of God or to yield to inferior spirits and powers. Each and every one of us does. And no, it may not look or feel as dramatic as this, but it can be as formative and shaping. Articulated plainly as Christians, we hear, but the question is, do we listen? Because the bridge between hearing and listening is yielding. It's we power up best when we submit to the Spirit of God, not power up and puff our chest. That's not the way of the church. It's the way of the world. It's not the way of the kingdom. We all yield to someone, to something. And I want you to watch how Jesus teases this out in the Lord's Prayer. He says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then this is the only time in the Lord's Prayer where Jesus brings a condition. And he says these words, For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you also. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. Now Jesus isn't being petty here. He's not folding his hands and saying, fine, if you don't forgive them, I won't forgive you. He's not being petty whatsoever. What he is actually illustrating to me and to you in this prayer is the power of authority. He is illustrating to you and to me what happens when we yield to inferior power, that that must be dealt with before I can deal with this. This is what Jesus is driving in at. He's teaching us something about authority. Again, what happens when we yield to inferior power. In my 48 years of life, if there's one thing I've learned, this I've learned, is what you yield to leads you. What you yield to leads you. When you and I yield to forgiveness, we walk in the way of forgiveness. When we yield to the way to peace, we walk in peace. 
when we yield to the Holy Spirit, we see the fruit of the Spirit in our hearts and lives. But how many of you know we don't always yield to walk in the way of peace? We don't always yield to the things that we need, or the one, I should say, that we need to yield to. But what you yield to will lead you. Hold that for where we're going to go in a moment. In forgiveness, though you may not feel like forgiving, in fact, I don't know if anyone's ever felt like forgiving in the history of human life. That was a little funnier, though, we're sitting outside, but that's okay. In forgiveness, though, what are we doing? We're not saying what happened is okay. We're not saying that at all. What we're saying is, God, I trust you. I don't trust this in my hands. I don't trust what I'm going to do with this in my hands. And I don't trust how this is going to shape my life. So I give it to you because your ways are better than my ways. And I want you to smite them. But you may have a different plan for their life. What do we do in unforgiveness, though? We yield to an inferior power and authority which deforms our lives. And Jesus said, until you get... What is he saying? When you and I hold on to unforgiveness, what are we forgetting? We're forgetting the grace that we received that we couldn't have earned in a million years if we tried. In confession, I'm trusting when I go to God with my sin or I go to my brother or sister and I confess my fault. To God, yes, but also one to another. I'm trusting that God's going to be gracious to me when we were walking around the path of Avalon, my opening story with Lori, some Christians give but this one. Well, I've asked God to forgive me. Why do I have to go ask them to forgive me? Because your offense was not only this way, it was this way. I did not just have to walk in the house and go to my knees and yield and say, God, would you forgive me for being an absolute jerk and just overrunning Lori and just being a terrible husband, moving in the opposite way that your word said, would you forgive me? I needed to do that, yes. But I also need to look her in the eyes and ask for her forgiveness for having selfish love and not self-sacrificial love, which is the way that I am called to love as the head of the home. It's not about her submitting. It's about me creating an environment where submission is never the issue because selfless love is pouring towards her. That's what headship is all about. I know. So in confession, we are yielding, trusting God will be gracious to us. But when we cover up, again, we are trusting in an inferior power in our lives. 1 John verses 1 verses 9 to 10 says, if, everybody say if. if. If we confess our sins, how many of you know that he is faithful and he is righteous to forgive us? But there's a massive if there. If. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then it also says, but if we say that we have not sinned, that we've not yielded oftentimes to a different power or something that's inferior. If we say that hasn't happened, then we make him a liar and his word's not in us. And so forgiveness or confession is yielding to God, who is always a greater power and authority. Everybody say greater. greater. See, greater is the language of authority. And it's also where conflict enters the picture. Again, a few moments ago, we read the story of Judas and Jesus. A big, dramatic story, as I've already said, I know. But we read about how Jesus gives him the opportunity to confess, and Judas refuses. 
But Luke chapter 22 verse 3 tells us what happened prior to this moment that was problematic. And this is where... My daughter was calling, not now. This is where we can see that authority is vital in prayer. In Luke chapter 22, verse 3, it says this. It says, now this is pretty dramatic, I know. It says, then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So here's what I want you to see. Jesus was present. The twelve were present, which we've talked about. But there is a silent power that is equally present in the room that Judas has already surrendered and submitted to, whose authority in this moment is controlling his life, or at least this portion of his life. Judas is bound by darkness, and so he rejects confession. Here's what I would say. Yielding to darkness, Judas functions in the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of light, the kingdom of the gospel is the way of confession. The way of darkness is the way of silence and cover-up. We, we see it here. Jesus is free from all evil, of course. And so Jesus, even knowing that evil is present, still provides an opportunity for Judas to be free. But in the life of Judas, darkness wins as what we yield to leads us. C.S. Lewis says that there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and then attempted to be counterclaimed by the enemy. And loved ones, you and I are living in and through a great time of conflict around a great many issues. And difference is a beautiful thing. Difference is a matter of an opinion, and a matter of opinion, and it can be wonderfully help, helpful. Has anybody here ever had someone in their life share something with them that is different from what they were seeing in a moment, and it was helpful? I have too. Absolutely, difference can be an absolutely wonderful thing if we'll listen. Not just here, if we can listen. Yet division is always a matter of choice, which is always destructive. There is a large gulf between difference and division. Big gulf between those two themes. And this is where we close. Prayerfully, I happen to believe that a great deception is occurring within the North American church. And the deception is our mistaken belief that our lives will arrive at a different destination from that which we yield to. That I can yield to whatever I want Monday to Sunday or Monday to Saturday, say a couple of Hyundais and Shundais on Sunday, and all is good. That the church is going to the church will not move in the direction of our declarations alone. It will move by what we yield to and follow. This is where the church will move. A historic deception that you have seen over and over again 
in particular to the church in North America, as that's my context, is we fall prey to believing, here's the deception, through our wisdom, our technology, our intellect, and our sophistication, that we are more powerful because of those things than darkness. That we can control it. This is what we believe. Isn't today a wonderful reminder of the vulnerability of our electricity? That we feel at times when everything is working so powerful. But in moments and times there are these reminders of how vulnerable we truly are. And we can either then try to power up in some false self and try to make ourselves stronger and not vulnerable, or we can trust in an authority that is greater than us. You see, here's what is true. By learning to yield first in prayer, we come to understand how God is using people, events, and circumstances to make us more Christ-like. Aren't you glad that God chose us to go through the pandemic? You don't believe that? I believe with my whole heart that God chose all of us to be living at this moment in time, to live through this season for a redemptive end. We have to choose it, but we are called to live that. Every problem in society is facing, there is wisdom within the collective church to be the countercultural response to that which the culture needs. Or we can continue to yield to inferior power and have the name of God, but not the power of God present. We can declare with our lips whatever we want to say, but we walk out with our lifestyles and live completely contrary. It's not just this that matters. Haven't you wondered sometimes, Lord, we're declaring so much. Why aren't we seeing change? If the sleeping church called the body of Christ would wake up to following Jesus, yes, imperfectly, but wholeheartedly, I don't believe that God is waiting to send revival. I believe he's waiting for a church to wake up, to walk in the ways of God. I genuinely believe it. You see, mistakenly again, we can believe that we can yield to one thing, yet arrive at a, de a destination that we desire the most. I don't share this lightly, and if it, I, don't, I don't share it to bring pain or wounding to, to, to anybody, if it's been your experience, I'll tread carefully here. But when I sit and do marriage counseling and somebody says these words to me, you know, well, my spouse left me last night. The truth of it is, no, they left you a long time ago. It just showed up last night. not saying it to bring wounding or shame or whatever. The truth in all of our lives is when problems surface, they've been developing for a while. That when the storm finally shows, it's been swirling for a season. See, today we're not talking about justification. What we're talking about is the power of we have to yield. And here's what I believe, is if more of us can develop a personal prayer life where we not only ask God for what we want, that's good, but we do all of it, but we get to yield, Lord, but not what you want, or not what I want, but what you want. Well, see, that's my problem, as I actually pray that I just Freudian slip there, Lord, I want what I want. First Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is a prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone to devour. Which is why Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 13, 
do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What was this whole message about? When you kneel down to pray, it's not just you and the Father. There is another voice. There is a contested voice. There's the voice of darkness that desires to tempt you to yield to inferior power. Because the moment you do, then he begins to set direction with your heart and your life and your steps. This is when Jesus said, notice when he taught his disciples to pray, he didn't leave out darkness. Now again, I know we're sophisticated. I know we have technology. I know we have a lot of books and a lot of knowledge. We have tons of information in 2022. But you know what the human heart cries out for? Transformation, which is in short supply. How was Jesus delivered? By the evil one. In the desert, it's going to rain. He yielded to a higher authority. Every time the enemy tempted him, what did Jesus say? It is written. Why did Jesus say that? He's all-powerful. He could do whatever he wanted to give you and I a model of it's not willpower that is necessary to resist temptation. It is surrendering to the Spirit of God and then letting God work against the enemy Letting God, who is all-powerful, do what only he can do as we yield and do what we can do. We apply power not only with our declarations, but our decisions. So may we yield to the Holy Spirit of God and watch him do what only he can do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this Sunday. Lord, in this critical time with world conflict, with national conflict, provincial even down to family level, God. Jesus, we pray that we would be a praying people. Lord, that we would learn to yield to the Spirit of God. Lord, teach us how to walk and understand difference well, one with another. Father, speak to our hearts today and change our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.